Welcome to the Playing the Game podcast with your hosts, Brock White and Cody Ransom. This podcast is the place for all things baseball, hunting, and entrepreneurship. These two guys have put in the work and have the stories and advice to back it up. Brock is a longtime business owner, and Cody played pro ball for over 18 years. Driven deep to left field. There it goes. See ya. A long home run for Cody Ransom. The one thing that brings these two guys together is hunting. Babe Ruth said it best. Never allow the fear of striking out to keep you from playing the game. This is the Playing the Game podcast, presented by Rolly White RV. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Playing the Game podcast. We got a special guest here. We got my co-host over here. Hey, guys. What's going on? And we have a part two, I guess not part two, but a sequel to one of our earlier Podcast back again. It's a good word. Sequel. Yeah. Blaine Anderson from Bander yep. Financial. Bander Investments. Bander Investments. Yeah. Um, good to be here. We thought it. I thought it would be a good idea to bring him back on. We're in a choppy time right now with uh, inflation hmm. and investing. You know, with a market that's kind of volatile. I thought it'd be a good moment to bring you back on and. Get some advice for everybody. Well, go ahead. Oh. oh, I was just thinking, well, we were just talking before I hit play, record, about having people that differ, have different opinions than your own, and why that's so important. And you were about to say something. Well, just listening to Cody talk about some of the experiences he's had within professional sports and voicing your opinion and being at risk of being wrong Mm -hmm. or maybe people not sharing the exact same opinion. It just helps highlight the importance of having people around you that are willing to express those opinions at risk of being wrong. But to me, it it fosters growth, hearing from other people's perspectives. And and so I think within an organization, a company, a sport team, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. having an environment where people can express those opinions seems to be as productive as anything. So, like, I think it's important that maybe the the leader, the boss, and I guess in your case would be the general manager, right? But, like, whoever that is, like, to foster that. Like, say, it's okay yeah. for you to think differently than me. Right. I want to hear it. You're not in trouble for it. Because have probably the reason why people are scared is because – they don't want to get fired. Yeah. Well, I think it's easy to say, and it's really difficult to do. Yeah. yeah. Because as a leader, um, and and I've seen it from both sides, right? Like I was an employee, and I'm a an owner of a business, right? So you see both sides of, of things. And when it's yours, you don't want to be wrong, right? Yeah. Like yes. nobody ever wants to be wrong, Yeah. right? And if you think you're running everything the right way and you hear something, it really makes you think, you know? But you have to be okay with accepting that. If you ask people for honesty and they give it to you, you can't be upset by it. Yeah. And you have to be open-minded enough to look at their point of view. You can't, can't get your ego in the way and yeah. have it get hurt. Because once you spit back to that employee, mm-hmm. like if your return answers an argument 
or even, you know, he's in trouble, then mm-hmm. he will never open up to you again. It's over. And neither will anybody else. Yeah, and then it's he goes into, like, don't tell him nothing right. if you want your job. Yep. And, you know, it's nice to hear people's opinions, and I think if if you're the type of person that shares your opinion often, that's great, but you can't be the person that thinks you're always right. you got to understand that there's times if that you're not, and that seems to be the people that I like to be around the most and that we can learn the most from. Share your opinion, but understand it's not always right. Mm-hmm. So I have this thing, and I was talking about marriage with somebody, but I said to them, you know, when we're in an argument, say I'm talking to my counselor or a friend, and I'm like, hey, this is what's going on. And they're like, dude, you're at fault. This is your fault. And that's happened plenty of times. I tell people, like, I actually would prefer for them to tell me it's my fault. And this is why. And it, this can be applied to any industry is, or any situation. If it's my fault, and I can accept that, then I can change myself and make it better whatever that may be. But if it's someone else's fault or if it's my spouse's fault or if it's a guy at work's fault, I can't change them. I can't make them do I can't make them feel sorrow. I can't make them apologize. I can't make them change their behavior. I can change my behavior though. I can change me. Yeah. So like I actually prefer if it's my fault. And I know like I'm anxious to like oh dude, well Thank you, because now I can solve that problem right now. So anyways. You know what? I saw something recently, a quote on social media that I like. It's a mentality. But they said, if you can get comfortable and and accept this as a mindset, that it is what it is, and apply that and really accept it in many cases, that if things don't go the way you expected – it is what it is, or if something didn't happen the way it was supposed to, but just you can be a lot more comfortable at letting things go. And I like it as a mentality, as a mindset, that there are a lot of things that it just it is what it is. I'm going to keep, I'm going to move on, move on. And it made me think of that as you as you talk about the things you can control and what you can't. Yeah. There's you can't control the other outcomes. That's right. I mean, it is what it is. Moving on. Mm-hmm. Well, because how, how many times does, like, your business career or projection or whatever you're doing, how often does it actually go to plan? Yeah. I like, it's hardly ever. Not often. I was going to say not often enough. It's always longer, right? Whenever Uh, I start a business or whatever, it seems like to get it, it get its legs off the ground is always probably twice as long as you think it's going to be. Yeah. It's harder than you think it's going to be. Well, you know, when people talk about starting a business or being successful at anything, they usually talk about grit and passion and hard work. And I agree with all those things. One thing that I think oftentimes gets maybe set aside a little bit is your ability to adapt yeah. and just go with the flow, change, you know, customize. It seems to me like sometimes we get too set in our ways. And I know even just as I, with my kids, with my son and children, I just hope that they realize that things often don't go the way you plan. But if you can adapt, change, and keep going, I think you can be successful more that way than anything. Well, yeah. I mean, dude, Cody, do you think you're going to be having a nonprofit and coaching your son's baseball team? No. No. The the nonprofit side, yeah. Like I always, I kind of thought we'd be doing something, community work or, you know, whatever. But, 
Um, I, I definitely did not want to coach my son yeah. at any point. And not that I don't love it and every second of it. I just didn't want everything that went along with it. Yeah. You know, like, oh, he's playing because your dad and, you know, all yeah. the all the good stuff. Um, but that being said, like, there was no way I thought this is what I'd be doing right now. Yeah, you um, retired 18 years in baseball. Yeah. And, and it's uh, – but you know what? Like the way it turned out, like this is I'm super passionate about it. Like I love the kids, I love the families. Yeah. Uh, you know, two of the teams I have, I feel like they're my own. Like they're welcome to my house anytime, and that's cool. They're here all the time, and it's it's kind of cool. So, um, that's been a rewarding part to watch them grow over the last five or six years. What age group is it? Um, we we go from nine to eighteen. Yeah. But um, the two I'm talking about are 14 yeah. and 15. Okay. Yeah. Now, they yeah. both they started about nine with us. Most of them. That's cool. Uh, we've added some pieces, lost some pieces, you know, over the over the years. But um, the groups we have now are pretty cool. Like I kind of like them. It's a fun age, huh? They really are. Yeah. My uh, son's 15. Is he? Okay. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, we're trying to convince him to have a Derek, his son, come stay with me for couple weeks and have him come train over here with you yeah i want him to come work with you it's a blast we have a good time yeah yeah it's at least for me i think we do um you know the like my son will leave here in about an hour and go train but it's it's fun man like we, we have a we have a blast doing it so got some good people involved in it yeah some good coaches and families and makes it fun it makes it easy you know, yeah. when when you get the families that aren't kind of bought into mm-hmm. the right things, um, they're more concerned with trophies and yeah. all that good stuff, then and don't get me wrong, I hate losing passionately. So <laughs> I'm trying my best to win every time we play. But, 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 I, I but what I'm saying is long run, like, you know, things are a lot more important than this weekend's tournament. For sure. Yeah. Well, you what you're saying is, like, you're – mentoring kids not for per se like a baseball career but you get to watch them fail and help them Mm -hmm. work through that failure and hoping that that will prepare them for life yeah i think i've told you before i think i've actually said it on here but like i would much rather my kids fall flat on their face right now while i'm here yeah Yeah. Yeah, that's such a good point learn how to fail you know learn how to get over it learn how to keep going yeah. We're here. We're here to pick you up. Yeah. You know what I mean. And it's really not that important yet. And I, yeah, when I say yeah. that, like, you're not going to lose your house. <laughs> you don't have yeah. a car. You're going to lose. You know, a career is not going down the drain. So, um, you know, you don't have to feed a family yet. Nothing like yeah. that. So, if you're going to do it, now's the time. Man, I couldn't agree with that more. And like everybody, I don't want to say everybody. I see often like people don't want to let their kids fail. Or especially in the in the youth sports world, like they pull yeah. him out and put him on another team. Yeah, he's not playing shortstop here. I'm, yeah, we'll go over here instead of letting him work so through now, that. Uh, yeah, let him work through that. Let him try to earn that spot. Let him go work, play work harder. Go play a right. different yeah, position. Get better. We this past year, last year, my son who was 14 mm-hmm. went out for the seventh grade basketball team mm-hmm. and got cut, and it was it was devastating for him. It was hard, and we as parents, I mean, we felt that pain. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, it turned out to be one of the best experiences he's had in these adolescent years because it 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 built some 
desire in him mm-hmm. to be better. He started working out harder and picked up the pace with his training. And then you know what else was discovered through all through that failure was he went out for wrestling mm-hmm. and then went out and went undefeated, won his regional tournament, went to state, and we found a new sport and a new passion within our family that we didn't even know existed. And it was through that failure that right. he had in trying out for basketball. And I well, just that's being nimble, right? I love like, what you said, though. Being around, I'd rather him have some of those failures now when we're around and can mm-hmm. help coach him because we all know they're going to come throughout life. Often. It's our opportunity yeah. to parent. Right. Well, I think that's a perfect example of when one door closes, another opens. Another one opens. And it's usually a yeah. better door, you know? <laughs> well, and let me, let me share this too. I have a, a good friend that was a high school principal and up where we live in Idaho Falls. And he mentioned, we're all familiar with the term, the helicopter parent. Mm -hmm. He said, but there's a new term they use now for parents, and it's called the lawnmower parent. And it's the parent that wants to mow down all obstacles for their kids. Hmm. If they're not getting good grades, it's the teacher's fault. If they didn't do well in in, uh, sports, it's the coach's fault. But they want to mow down all obstacles. I think I know what you're talking about because I see that in parents where, like, Everybody can see, like, there's a, you know, a nail in the kid's head, right? Mm -hmm. And you're like, dude, there's, I need to, I want to help you. There's a nail in your kid's head. And they're like, no, your kid is the one with the nail in it. You're like, dude, I, if my kid had a nail in his head, I would be the first one to say he has a nail. Like, my kids are not perfect. They have a long ways to go. And I want people to treat them the same way. But, like, I see so many parents that, like, they just don't want to admit their kid yeah. ever is anything's ever wrong. It's always someone else's fault, right? Yeah. And they're going to go fight the teachers where I've, my sister, <laughs> you know my sister, mm-hmm. um, she was a teacher in Utah, and after she had her first child, she said she'd never teach again because of the lawnmower parents. Yeah. Come in because their kid got a C or D and just – like, what do you blame, want me to blame do? it on somebody yeah. else? Can, if I just change this to a B, will you get out of here? Yeah, <laughs> think I'll do that. Okay, get out, get <laughs> out of here. Let's go. Well, and, and I get it. It's it's hard. You do. You want to do everything you can for your child, but I think you know recognizing that sometimes those failures are opportunities to teach more than anything. And us yeah. trying to get out in front of them and make sure that never happens ultimately does a disservice in the end. When my son got cut we didn't go talk to the coach we didn't we said one night all right let's be pissed off tonight let's and then tomorrow it's a new day we're going to make something of this and i i have i saw so much growth and development in him as a 14 year old young man through getting cut in basketball than i have with anything else well you you turn to failure how you handle failure will determine success right yeah and then you know what he worked he went out in eighth grade, wanted to go out again. Um, but we learned, too, that basketball wasn't necessarily his thing, but he learned some life principles that I'm confident will carry him much let's, further in life. And let's be honest. Like, his genetic yeah. um, his genetic code probably is not going to give him the height requirement needed. <laughs> yeah. Unless he's Chris Paul, <laughs> which I'm not saying he's not. Yeah. He's, it's possible. But um, also, Chris Paul 6'3". Yeah, he doesn't look very tall. He does not look big <laughs> on the court. And I try to tell him that to my son. I'm like, listen, anything's possible, okay? Not saying nothing's po- But yeah. you have some things yeah. against you right now. Like, yeah. you know, no I one's would. 
There's the hype thing is going to be a tough deal to conquer. Okay, <laughs> yeah. bud? Can't um, just make that up. Yeah, you can't just can't get that in the gym. You can't. You can't just jump higher. You know. Yeah, Have basketball. Them. Yeah, the odds are in your favor. You know what? Wrestling definitely fits your genetic makeup a little bit better. Yeah, and you know what? Wrestling. I I didn't grow up around wrestling. I wasn't all that familiar with it. But man. Those guys are studs. Intense, right? Oh, to dude. step out in the middle of you know hundreds of people, mm-hmm. just one on one, and the, you know what I like about wrestling? Just about every match, the, one or both wrestlers find themselves in a tough spot. Oh yeah, and they have to decide what are they going to do, how to get out, right? Yep. Even in that, we, I would I sat through a whole day of this regional tournament, and by the time we got to the championship mat match. There was a point where I I swear it was a split second away. The referee was ready to call Derek, my son, as being pinned. I thought for sure it was over. And somehow he stuck with it and was able to turn it and, and, and ultimately won. But the, moral, the, the sheer reason I share that story isn't really because he won. It's just I watched him multiple times find himself in tough spots. And he had to make a decision about keep on fighting. And turn it around, and I just I loved seeing that with all the wrestlers. It was really, it's really a cool sport. Yeah, I think a lot of people think in life that once you get a certain spot, like it's easy, you, you just hit the cruise control button, yeah. and then no. just like the money comes in, and then you go get to buy whatever you want, and life's just this simple, no stress. Yeah, and it's like, you know what? I remember being when I was selling and not having to do administration work, like enjoying that a lot more yeah and the stress of everything was so much less you made a lot less money but like it's just a lot less stressful than what you currently have and then and there is something to say when you have um employees and you have families that rely on you to you know there's that stress that's just an everyday stress yeah it's a baseline you know totally but yeah i there's no cruise control much as I would like cruise control. <laughs> no, there's not I at mean, all. I like, I've even heard it said that growth only occurs through adversity. I can see that. And sometimes I know I'm, when I was younger, I used to think adversity meant problems or issues. But now I realize it's more just resistance. Things not going your way. Mm-hmm. You find that like. Things you got to work at. It, there's just always a resistance yeah. uh, of sorts. But even too, I mean, it's it's natural. It's part of life. And but there's some people that feel that okay. I know a group of people like dude, and I and for me, I've I've felt resistance, and I would just fight through it. You know, just fight. There's a hurdle. You fight through it. You fight through it, and then sometime you arrive, whenever that is. But but they're always resistance. But like I, there's a group of people, and I won't name who they are. But like. The smallest little resistance come in their life. Like, they talk about, well, we're going to open up this. Oh, that sounds awesome. And then a week later, we're like, we can't do it. Yeah. You're like, what happened? Oh, well, this popped up, and we can't do it. Like, you can totally do it. Like, I, in my head, I'm already thinking, like, how to fix that problem and move through it. But they just couldn't get through it in their mind. Couldn't yeah. do it. Hundreds of other people do it every day. Yeah, no, that's a good point. You just gotta. There's just always resistance. I agree with that. Well, and so just you know, being willing to work through that—that's that adversity. But I think that 
you see like there's attitudes and people and it's easy to spot it where like resistance pops up and they automatically fight through it. And then there's a, there's people that resistance pops up and they find excuses to like why they can't do it instead of excuses of why they can do it. But seeing how, how much of that is probably that mindset is developed in your childhood and your upbringing, yeah. your upbringing. And so that's when, yeah, one I thing I love about sports is hopefully that's a means for working through and learning that you can overcome those things. And, and, uh, did you hear like, did you ever, like, I think it's so cool that your son went out for basketball with, and he failed, but he was put himself out there emotionally yeah, to fail. Right. But I'm like, I've heard so many times people like they were so afraid of failing. They probably would have made it, but they were so afraid. They didn't I even try. Totally. Out. Totally. Man, that's and so they don't go out at all. And yeah, how many they, missed opportunities for being afraid to well, fail? Well, they just they're the ones that missed that opportunity to grow. Yeah. But well, and and also too, I mean, if you can for example with that with my son, also a new passion came from that that we didn't even know was out there. Mhm. So it doesn't mean it wasn't success or failure in the way we would have envisioned it. But as I look back on it, I tell you it was a huge success. But like there was a there was a point and I don't really know when it was, but it it's kind of like I just started saying yes and figuring it out as you go. As we go. Yeah. Like hey, you want to do it? Yeah. Let's do yeah. it. You know. And I don't really know when or why that started, but it you know, it wasn't always like that. It was like, uh, you know, let me think about it. Yeah. And, you know, you might end up doing it or whatever, but it kind of thought through it prior to doing it, where now pretty much, you know, yeah. if you say you want to try something or you want to do this, or yeah, let's do it. Let's give it a try. You ever let's done this? Uh-uh. Yeah. We'll figure it out, you know, or, or not. But Yeah. And that's know. one of my favorite mentalities is, is in people and in kids but also in, amongst friends and people our age is mm-hmm. people that are willing to give it a chance yeah i give think it that's it i think it's maturity and getting a little bit older and not necessarily worrying about what everybody thinks anymore yeah um because i could like really give two shits about what people think half the time um yeah. but has it always been that way no it hasn't you? because it hasn't. i i feel like for me there was a time in life when i got more that way mm-hmm. and i re- i remember and know both sides of it do you know when that time was or it just kind of happened? I feel like, like did something happen to make that you know switch or or was it just something that kind of progressed? You, you know, I'll tell you there it it certainly was a progression, but there were a few things that led to it. And one of them is sports related. Mm-hmm. And it was I I was the head coach for my son's 4th grade football team. Okay. And I remember actually having a hard time with parents. And I realized pretty quick that I couldn't make everybody happy. Mm-hmm. And I was trying. And I felt like I was volunteering my time. Mm-hmm. I wasn't getting paid for it. I, I have a, a job. I mm-hmm. have other responsibilities. And I remember after the first scrimmage, not even a game, a scrimmage, having multiple parents come up to me. And I couldn't believe some of the things that were said to me. That's just one incident. So I can't say that mm-hmm. was the whole thing. But I can tell you that's when it really started to change for me, where I realized even in my mind, I was doing a service trying to help. Mm-hmm. And I realized that no matter what I do, I'm not going to make everybody happy. And so that was, so for me, it's been really, I can say more that way in the last five years. And so I can't say I've always been that way mm-hmm. because in, in, but now more than ever, 
yeah. feel that way. So I I know exactly what you're talking about because, I mean, we've got uh, almost 60 teams, like, yeah. around the country right now. Um, and when I first started, it was w- – I literally try to make every single person as happy as, like, yeah. please everybody, right? Yeah. And then it went to, I don't care what anybody says, I'm going to do it my way. Yeah. That wasn't it either. Yeah. Right? Somewhere in between. Huh? So now I'm at a point where, like, I can see both sides. Mm-hmm. Right? I really can. I have a daughter that's 18 that plays club volleyball. My son's 14, plays, you know, f- football, whatever, baseball, you know, whatever's going on. Yeah. Um. But I've dealt with enough parents now in all different situations, right? Like the very best kid we have and the very worst kid we had and everybody in between. Yeah. Um, and I've had to – not had to. I've, I've dealt with those parents and I've listened to them and their, their complaints or their yeah. praises or whatever it may be and kind of taken that information. And now, and, and now I can honestly say I can see both sides of it yeah. clearly. Right, like somebody complains, I understand why. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm going to do anything about it. Yeah, it doesn't mean we're going to change just because you're unhappy. But I can also see where you're coming from, and it's um, it's been a great learning experience for me. Like it really has. It's been, I think I'm more a little more patient with people. Yeah, a little. Yes, my wife she would disagree, yeah. but but the um. But I've seen other people within our organization that were, that didn't have to handle or didn't deal with those parents or the players on that level. Mm-hmm. All they did was go out and like coach or mentor and then that was it, right? It was really easy and all the complaints or everything came to us. Yeah. And over the past year and a half or two years when I was working, we had those shift to, okay, go through this coach first and if you guys can't get it figured out, come to me. And I've watched a shift in these coaches that were happy, that thought everything was great to screw this, mm-hmm. right? Like these people are insane, right? And now you see the reaction to those things. And it's like, <laughs> I've been you. Like I know exactly where yeah. you're at. So, um, but yeah, man, I've seen like, I, I've seen exactly what you're talking about firsthand. And it's kind of, kind of brings me back a couple years but you know six years now we've been doing this and it's like the first year and a half two years it was please everybody and then for a year year and a half it was like i'm not listening to anybody i'm doing just what i want right this is the right way to do it totally they don't know what they're talking about we've been through it you know and it's like you know what that's not the right way either yeah how do we make this better you guys have input well here it is right so um kind of goes back to what we were talking about before the podcast and that first little bit like you have to listen you have to be okay even if you don't like it well you could uh you can at least validate what they're saying that's what you're doing right you're at least validating trying to yeah i mean just trying to understand uh, you know um you don't have to agree right understand their point of view and why they feel that way yeah and that's a that's a tough human trait to do it really is because if if you blow them off though, then you lose them. Yeah. Right. As as loyal. Yeah. Whether it's an employee, a a client, you know, whatever it may be, if if you devalue them, you just blow them off. You lose them. Right. They might stick around, but they're never really Best here. Day. Right. Yeah. 
Um, and the ones that you really give value to and you listen and you, you know, have the conversations that you don't want to have and listen to what they have to say, even if it's something you don't want to hear, but truly listen and like understand where they're trying to come from. I think that that shows right organically just kind of comes across. And I, I believe that those people feel more valued and they're more invested in the organization or the team or the the workplace, right? Like, yeah. So, and those are the people that, as an employer, you need. Totally. Right. Like you, you have to have people that are. And you guys have great employees. They do. Yeah. They do. Like oh. I mean, from what I've seen and heard of your employee, like everybody is fully committed. So you guys are obviously doing a great job, and that kind of comes from everything we've talked about is is value your employees, treat them the right way. You know, make them feel like they're part of the family. And that's, uh, like, that's a big deal for me. Yeah. yeah. You know, and when a business grows, like, you, there's sometimes, like, people, I'll be gone for a couple of weeks, and I come back, and there's, like, five new hires. Mm-hmm. And you have to go out of your way to go introduce yourself. Because it's really easy just not to say anything. You're like, I don't even know if I'm going to see this guy in a month. Like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. But, like, it it means a lot to those guys that you go out of your way just to talk to them right. and see how they're doing, see how their life's doing. And, um, yeah, like you said, listen to them, right? Even though, hey, like, what they're doing in their life, like, might be so foreign to what we do. Mm-hmm. It's still what they do. Right. So. One thing I've grown to appreciate and value more than ever is just – most of us are doing the best we can, and if you if some if I come across someone that's doing the best they can, then you know I'll take it for that. Yeah, and you know ultimately whether whatever organization or team you're involved in, we is greater than me, and so if we can work together, we're going to get further. And I'm not going to make everybody happy, but I'm doing the best I can. Mm-hmm. Here's and the truth: like, I'll appreciate that in other people. There's a you see like businesses. And you hear people say, like, oh, I hate partners, right? Because they heard someone had a bad, you know, bad deal with another Mm -hmm. another partner. And really, like, they just didn't, all they didn't, they just didn't, like, work things out at the very beginning where they had a good split plan. Right. That's what. Exit strategy. The exit strategy (laughs) wasn't there. Else it would be just fine. Right. But the truth is, like, a partnership is very valuable. Yeah. And like it takes so much workload off of being able to split it up, being able to split up tasks and you not having to do everything, be perfect all the time. You got your partner. If you're going through a hard time, your partner's there to pick you up. And if he's, you're there to pick him up, um, going on vacation so much easier. I've been looking for a good partner for five years. It's tough. Honest, like, yeah. Honestly. Yeah. I really, really have. Because they're um, great. Like we, you know, I'll reach out or somebody will reach out. Like, let's give this a try. We go through a trial period. It's just like, mm. well, that's good. You did a trial period. Yeah, that's cool. Get to know each I, other. Like, right? like, let's see if this works out. Let's see how we can make this work. And mm. no, it's just not happening. Yeah, it's tough, man. A good partner stuff. Like I got, luckily for me, like, um, like my current partner, like, and here, and here's the thing, like the odds of you going to death as a, like, going all the way till you die with the current partner is, like, unrealistic. 
like I've had three different partners in my business and I talk to every single one of them still. So we're able to have like amicable splits and the truth is people just grow apart. Right. And that's okay. Like we all change. Like if you look at your friends, current friends right now from 20 years ago, it's probably a lot different what who you're associating yourself with and either that's a really good thing or a really bad thing because either you're growing as mm-hmm. a human and you're getting more successful, you're surrounding yourself with more successful people or you're going the other way, which is like sinking and you're finding people to surround yourself that are also sinking. So hopefully it's going the other way. And hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but you're right. Life, things happen. Life changes. Like heck, Blaine, I, I didn't, I, I knew of Blaine 10 years ago, but yeah. he's a fairly new face in my life. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. I was just thinking, driving the car today, I'm like, man, we're, we're so aligned in a lot of our thoughts. We have a couple businesses together, but um, he has a lot of stuff on his own. I have some stuff on my own, but um, it's just crazy how, like, the universe brings people together. Mm-hmm. And if you if you surround yourself with – I know I'm, like, going on a lot of different tangents here, but – yeah, um, no, I'm all over the tunnels place. in the rabbit yeah. hole today. <laughs> yeah, so one is have the exit strategy good, and you'll always be friends. And we just had a conversation with a, one of our partners because um, me and Blaine both felt like, hey, he's not understanding this partnership agreement very well. And if we don't have this crystal clear from the get-go, it will end poorly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we actually took a step back and said, hey, we need to figure this out because of our prior experiences and we need to make sure everyone understands what the expectations are of everybody. And if we understand that we will be friends, if we don't, there's going to, we're not going to like each other at the end of this. Yeah. And I think it went pretty good. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. We had a, we had kind of a little uncomfortable conversation, but it worked out pretty good. And then makes us better and stronger now for it. Yeah. And then, but on the uh, i have this i have this belief that if you want to be something surround yourself with successful people in that arena you want to be a, like an awesome hunter go find a bunch of hunters that are really good yeah and just start hanging out with them well you know what you know the saying you're the sum of the five people yeah closest to you yeah you so surround yourself with the most make sure those people are what you want to be yeah. right yeah. what what's it like I remember this teacher. Those people are hard to find sometimes, man. Oh, they're tough, man. <laughs> yeah. They are tough. So my, my uh, I had this teacher in high school, and I loved what he said. He's like, he has parents, the mo- lawnmower parents come up and be like, yeah. you know, my, fr- my son's hanging out with these bad kids. And the teacher looks up, your kid is the bad kid. Yeah. <laughs> they're hanging out with your kid. You're, yeah. you're the bad kid. Your son's the bad kid, yeah. and he's bringing the rest of them down. And I love how he said that because, you know, Take some responsibility on yourself. Yeah, that some accountability. That's your. You could be the problem. It could be you. Yeah, it's on you. You know, don't blame other people. It's so easy to make excuses and blame others for failure. And that's what society's full of excuses. Um, and the someone Putin, else's fault. Putin gas t- hike. The Putin gas hike. <laughs> yeah, you know. Whatever the gas hike is, I'm over it. I mean, but even look at what we're Whatever. coming out of with Just buy like COVID. All COVID. I mean, excuses for everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah. to me, more than ever, if you look at the last couple of years, people that wanted to stand out, people that wanted to work, 
what an opportunity. I mean, yeah. a lot of people have made a lot of money. Good businesses have opened up. A lot of things have happened for people I, that want to get out. I just wish the supply chain didn't just implode. I just, I don't, I don't understand the supply chain thing. Like, it does not equating in my head. I don't get it. Like, so they're having problems with, like, microchips, right? Yeah. Why? But you, <laughs> why? Like, but you, but <laughs> I don't you know why. I felt like we explained this firsthand when we were starting the RV dealership up in Idaho. Yeah. I mean, we th- we were worried about demand and were yeah. people going to get out and buy trailers. We're worried. We, yeah, so we the issue was supply. The first month and we who, who would have guessed that one of our top manufacturers would have to shut down their manufacturing facility for a month because people wouldn't go to work? Yeah. Who would have? <laughs> like, that was the issue. Yeah, it right. wasn't. We were. Could we sell trailers? It was, can we get them? You know, we didn't know what was going to happen. I remember I we had that. Just fine selling them. Zoom call. <laughs> yeah. that, we had the Zoom call that we're opening up and. It was the week of the f- the lockdown in Idaho, the same week. Mm. So the week we find out that every people apparently couldn't leave their houses, Yeah, we were ready to have our grand opening. That was our grand opening week. <laughs> because I'm like, well, let's do yeah. it anyways. <laughs> it's planning at its finest. Yeah. Just push forward. But you know what? It was such a life lesson for me, too, because we were at a point where we really didn't have much option. I mean, we were deep into it. Yeah. We couldn't back out and then. We couldn't back out, but but once again, I mean, that was a good thing. Yeah. It, it turned out well because we were working towards something and not looking, not taking an easy excuse or way out. Because I have this thing, like, to open it, like, just from my previous um, experiences, it took about a year to get the dealership going. We had... Me and Blaine and his uh, our other partner Matt a year prior at spring break, mm-hmm. and from that time we had set up meetings and we had been working on this deal for a year. Yeah, and it was finally time to open, and COVID hit, and so it's like you've already you got all this money invested, you got all this stuff going on, you got you're a year into this. Like yeah. we're not going to put on hold now. We're just gonna we have been delivering trailers. Yeah. I mean, we had like the lot was full of trailers. It's like time to go. Yep. Well, and so now here we are just this month with our second grand opening, you might say. I mean, we've expanded the lot and there's a lot of good things that have happened since then. And so, you know, earlier you were talking about the current times and some of the volatility that's taken place. Yeah. So let's go. Well, well, hold on real quick. Let me stop you. Second grand opening up there. Well, it's uh, or just expansion well, of a lot. I saw on Instagram. Something. Stay tuned. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you don't have to put it out if you don't. No, want we can. It, say it's it. actually. Okay. It's not a just secret. now launching. Okay. I mean, here All as right. of April, but we we've operated a, a used car dealership up in Idaho Falls. Mm-hmm. It's been around since 1959. Big part of our community up there, and we were mainly selling cars and then started selling RVs. Okay. So we've continued selling cars, but basically now we've, we've swapped in the big building where we sold cars out of, we're now selling RVs. And so this business that's been there 60 years is going to remain, but on a much smaller scale. And now RVs are taking first position. So like in the summer of this, it's a big thing for us. In the summer of last year, I, cause we were talking about building a big building and I'm like, Hey, you know, like we've already done this here where we sold cars and we transitioned to RVs. Mm-hmm. I'm like, and we hate cars now. <laughs> like <laughs> you told me yeah. that. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I'm like, Hey, 
what if, and I just put, I put that seed in Blaine. Yeah. I said, what if we were to switch and we took over the big building and we moved Sunnyside over here and this, the, yeah. where we're at, like, and I just threw that at him. And, you know, then our other partner that he's the other half owner of Sunnyside is like, there is this pride thing with having that car dealership there for the last 60 years. Like it's, it's a pill they had to swallow mm-hmm. and say like, man, like that's check your ego at the door. What's best for both companies? Yeah. What is best for both companies here? And on top of it, what will make you grow the most? Put your ego aside. What is going to, at the end of the day, what will put more money in your pocket on both sides? Really? Yeah. Because you're going to save a lot of money on the sunny side side without yeah. paying that huge payment every month. And then, now we can fill up a lot more with trailers, get more visibility. We're going to push that harder. Yeah. It's going to. Well, and there's there's two big parts of this for me. I mean, first of all, us having you guys as partners who have been down this same journey, the yeah. same path. So, you know, to me, there's no coincidence in that. I think yeah. that's cool. And then the second part, too, though, being willing to change, being willing to adapt and make Just it what you said change earlier, something. Being yeah. a little agile. We'll see where it goes. I mean, still, the, the jury's out. Yeah, we'll right. see where it goes. But, I mean, this business has been around doing the same thing for a long time, and now that's shifting big time. So uh, Dave made, our other partner, Dave, he made an LLC called the Four Amigos Properties, right? What's yeah. it called, Four Amigos? <laughs> yeah. And that's who's going like to own it. the properties, the Four Amigos. So now it's really, why Idaho will buy the building from Sunnyside. Yeah. And, uh, you, you mentioned something earlier, though, with – you know, saying yes. Cody mentions. Yeah, cause, sorry, mm-hmm. Cody. You, Cody mentioned something as far as being willing to say yes, and I like that. I I agree. I'm um, not too long ago. I spoke at a business conference up in Idaho, and my whole presentation was on giving things a try. It's okay. Yeah. You know, be give it a try. Sure. Let's let's try this. And I understand there's got to be some judgment. You can't say yes to everything, but I think so often we're so quick to say no and to close up. Yeah. Rather than opening up and saying, "Well, no, hey, maybe is, that maybe that could work." No is easy. Yeah. No is easy. No yeah, is no like is really easy because yeah. you say no and then you go inside and watch the movie and go to bed. Yeah. You say yes, you open up Pandora's box. That's yeah, you a good gotta, point. You gotta go to work some more. <laughs> you say yeah, yes, yeah, right. like it's like game on, right? Yeah. We're just gonna open this can of worms and see where it ends. Yeah. yeah. No yeah. is easy. No, and sometimes you gotta say no. Yeah, but yes is way more fun. Yeah. Yes, you get to. There's fun adventures. Fun, well, you know, you mentioned earlier. Brock mentioned. You, Brock, so, sorry. Yeah, it's right. easier to. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm fairly new at the podcasting. I, wait, hey, but if, at one point we will have live, and when they you point at us, then we'll, you know, we'll understand. Turn. Yeah, yeah we'll understand. we just need to have better setup before we go live. Yeah. Well, you I mentioned just, me I just being by the trailer. Brock, you mentioned me being a new face in your life. Yeah. As I was thinking about this the other day, since I've started hanging out and running around with Brock, I've taken on hunting. Mm-hmm. It's been something I didn't do before. Taken on RVing, which mm-hmm. is something new that I hadn't done before. I'm 41 years old, so mm-hmm. starting some of these new things. Um, oh, and, and even shooting, archery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been doing yeah. more of that. And as yeah. I think about it, these are all things that have added so much to my life. Right. I mean, I love it. Yeah. It's more more fulfilling to me. And I'm like, that came through somebody that wasn't in my life five years ago. Right. And I just think it's cool how, how these things come together and being open to new people, new things. 
uh, it certainly has added a lot to my well, life. Cody's new in my life, and I got a shoe, a small shoe addiction. <laughs> yeah, is he <laughs> is he in part for that? Because yeah, yeah I, would, my fault. Well, I don't know in, if I'd say small, like, dude. Those are those are like uh, some cool shoes, Cody, and tell me these are the you know Jordan Four UNCs, and I'm like. And then one day I started looking, and I'm like, how do you go about doing this? Yeah. He's like, I got a shoe guy. That's cool. And then I'm like, well, and then I started researching it, and I just dove down this hole. Now he's got a new pair on every time he walks in. Well, I noticed you got a pair of Jordans there, too. These, yeah, these are, I got another pair. Yeah, he's got. These are my beat around four, yeah. four cements. Yeah, he's yeah. he's got probably a whole, like, cabinetry full of shoes. I've got some. The wife yeah. told him to pump the brakes also, I think, right? Did she ever tell My you? My wife can't tell me to pump the brakes on shoes with her shoes. Oh, so she's yeah. got a small. No. You're just trying to keep up. <laughs> See, I try to get Between the wife. shoes and bags, man. She's not allowed to tell me. I got my shoes. Cool. She's got hers. You know what? <laughs> my, my wife, um, and she, I tell her this all the time, we are the second distribution center for lip scents at our house. If they run low on, um, you know, whatever product, they can always come to our house Let's and go say, over there. hey, what do you got? Do we have something? Or also, we have a candle. We have hand wash for every season. Yeah. <laughs> and we are stocked up for the next 20 years. <coughs> and thanks, thanks to my wife. Thank you to my wife. When COVID hit, you remember, like, no TP for, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude, we you did, guys were good. We were good for two years. Two years. <laughs> yeah. She's the one that bought it all. <laughs> she had bought it previous. I'm like, no, thanks, honey. Right, it pays off. Hey, Preferably. thanks for all the hand wash and toilet paper. So and let it. me ask you on the Jordans. Uh-huh. Maybe I was just out of the loop for a while, but it seems like there's a new passion and popularity with Jordans that, without a doubt, there is. It's just crazy right now. So there was. Uh, for basically my entire playing career, I was on shoes, yeah. right? And there was always a Jordan thing for me, ones, fours, and elevens. Like, the threes, too. But the ones, the fours, and the elevens are the ones that I loved. I had some threes, um, but those are the four shoes that I, like, really like. Um, and the entire time I was playing, I was on them. I think, I think there was always that niche group that, like, really wanted really stayed up on what was going on and followed them. And, um, like, I'm a huge Jordan fan. We share the same birthday. I named mm. my son after him. Like, his name's That's Jordan, cool. right? So Yeah, my um, son was mad, by the way. To Wesley's like, why would you name Wesley? He has a cool name like Jordan. <laughs> I'm like, stop it. Yeah. So, like, um, you know, I've been lucky enough to meet him. My son got to meet him when oh, he was little. Wow. That's cool. How and so, how cool. did you meet him? Yeah, tell that in story the, in the locker room at Yankee Stadium. Really? Wow. Yeah, I mean, he was. So it was a cool meet and greet. That's yeah, a, that's it, a fun it was, meet and greet. Yeah, he was hanging out in the locker room, and wow, my son met him in the hallway after. I mean, he was. How was it two, meeting him? So he. Mm. <laughs> how was it? There, so there's, and I don't like to say this about people because yeah. I don't really like. I've never in my life met anybody that I'm like damn right like well the thing is when you meet somebody you realize they're just a human yeah right and i've never put anybody like on a pedestal like i've never i've had role models and like guys i looked up to and um you know watched or whatever and maybe try to emulate as when i was a kid but 
there was never anybody at any time that I met where I was like shy or, or yeah. embarrassed or scared to meet him, right? Yeah. And he was one of the few people that I was like, damn. That's cool. Like, and there's no reason, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's other than like I admired his work ethic, his his competitiveness, his, like, everything about his game, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and later on, his business sense and, like, all the things he did, right? So, like, he made the transition from player to – from being cut from his basketball yeah. team, right? Yeah, as a freshman, right? Yeah. And then, um, you know, went on to establish himself and, and you know, do all these other things. But, I I mean, I don't even know why. There's really no reason. I mean – but he was one of the few people I was like, I really want to meet him, and I would really like for my my son to be able to meet him. Just happened. I don't know why. Yeah. Like, there's really, I mean, because <clears throat> you met. There's him. very few people that have, yeah. Muhammad Ali was like that for me. Well, yeah. you met, you, so you got to meet Muhammad. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Wow. He was at spring training here when. Uh, yeah, because he used to live here. Yeah, so he would come out to spring training games. Um, there were, but you know, I mean, coming up with the Giants, it was Willie Mays was in the clubhouse every day, and like these guys are like icons, and, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And they were around every day. That's cool. So, so it was kind of like you know, you it kind of helped humble everybody, and or you know, yeah, like, I don't I'm sure know, humble's not. So not you the weren't right a fanboy, like no, no, no. You just like, talked to them. Like yeah. they would come up and offer advice, and you talk, and it was like actual conversations, not see that sign yeah. this for me or picture. That's or the whatever. thing is like I think people. Because w- the people I've met, like, n- no near, no way near your status, but like uh, just the people I've met is always just like, hey, let's have a conversation mm-hmm. and talk about their lives or what they're interested in doing. And it seems like if you go that direction, the you become their friends. Yeah. Because you're interested in their life and what's actually going on in their life. And like, you know, um, and there was like, there's a guy that we, Henry Brown. Mm-hmm. And um, he doesn't like going out because every time he goes out, he gets, like, pinned, you know, because he's a really wealthy man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People just want to know. You know right. They're fanboys. Yeah. And so when he when it came around us, it was just, like, hanging out. He, he really enjoyed it. And people don't realize people like that and that status, they don't get that that often. They don't get that hardly ever. They're like Everybody always wants something. Yeah, they they you want a mean? piece of whether it. it's a picture, an autograph, yeah. uh say hi, you know, kind of deal. And so <clears throat> I saw this, like it never happened to me, but I was able to see it like from uh, yeah, the guys doesn't. I played with and, yeah. and not even at a distance, like next to me, right? Yeah. Like you'd be yeah. at dinner and we're just trying to eat dinner. You know yeah. what I mean? With, Someone's with just people and it's, yeah, just like That's and, tough and so I like, saw that yeah. and it wasn't so I understand where they're coming from. Like, I understand how difficult that's got to be to always be on, right, yeah. and always be accountable and, like, you know, never do anything. Jeter was the most impressive, I guess, career for me Yeah. because he was in New York for 20 years yeah. and never once did anything wrong that anybody talks about. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, like, there's no, like, tabloids. <clears throat> there's nothing. Even though, like, there is, like, an all-star team of his girlfriends. Okay, so he had girlfriends. It's, like, yeah. awesome, like, beautiful girlfriends. That, But that's not bad. But what it's I'm awesome. saying is, like, he, he didn't was single. Bad. He was True. single. He, nobody's yeah. ever said he cheated on me. Nobody's ever said he got in trouble for drinking. Nobody's yeah. ever, like, nothing. Yeah. He lived. For 20 years in the most, the 
biggest magnifying glass on him for 20 years. And there was never anything negative said about him. More impressive than his playing career, huh? It really is. Like, like I mean, to do what he did. Because his character as a human is just as Mm -hmm. good as, as the... Probably better. Yeah. That's... That's that's what makes you attracted, you know, attract you to somebody more than right. anything is like their character. Yeah, because like there's character people like you see him and then you meet him and you just get like, dern, oh, dern, dern. right. What do you think it was or is about Jeter? I mean, I don't know much about him. Mm-hmm. What, do you know much about his background? Where he yeah, grew uh, up? Yeah, Kalamazoo, Michigan, and had like oh. his dad, his parents were like a teacher and a. Uh, I think his dad was some kind of dad or mom. I can't remember. Was some kind of like uh, mm. counselor or psychologist or something, something like that, right? He used to have. A, I know. He, I know he used to have to sign a contract at the beginning of every school. Oh, year. I've heard that story. And so they I've made him that. like sign, like, "Hey, your grades, yeah. your homework, your chores, like all that have so, to be done, or you don't play." That's cool. You're, he signed a contract with his parents. Yeah. every year. Mm-hmm. Like this is the contract. This is what I'm going to do. And yeah, if, if I not, do that, you don't play. Play yeah. baseball, and he loved baseball so much. Mm-hmm. That he's like, yeah, wow, yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. And so is. I know, like, I mean, he's he's very humble. Um, he will talk shit with the best of them to yeah. you, but like, uh, humility's really big uh, for him. But his belief in himself was crazy. Yeah, like crazy, crazy good. See, and you got to think a lot of so that he's does. humble, but he knows what he has. He knows what he can do. Outwardly, he's humble. Outwardly, but inside. Internally, probably thinks he's the best to ever walk yeah. the planet. But like, doesn't, I mean, doesn't well, that's have to awesome. Say that's right. awesome. Yeah. I mean, because a lot of that. in that, in when the, he shined the most is probably the playoffs, right? The, the biggest. And yeah. that's what you need. Mm-hmm. You need to have that humbleness where you're like, I'm in a big spot, but know inside that you can do it, right? Like, yeah. All and that. he was, he never got thrown out of a game ever. Never once. Never mm. did he complain with the umpires at all? He would talk to him, but he was very respectful. You know what I mean? Like it was he he, he never got thrown out of a baseball game. If you watch like old highlights, he might question a call, and he always puts his head down and kind of walks behind the umpire, so it's not like yeah showing him up. He never looked at him, never you know not it, cussing but, at him, and yeah. But you know, a lot of guys will look at the umpire, and so everybody in the stadium knows you're yelling yeah. at him. Yeah. Everybody on TV knows. If you put your head down and you talk to him, nobody knows. Yeah, yeah. You, they just can't read your lips, can't see yeah. who you're talking to, you don't even know you're talking. And so he was, it was pretty, never never threw a helmet, never, you know, none yeah, of that stuff. That so is, that's impressive. It, it was, it really is, because um, the stress and the pressure that had to come along with oh, yeah. being him and, and the situations he was in, and the city he was in forever. Um, and I know what they are, I've played there two years. Yeah. Um, nowhere near what they were for him. Mm. Um but really, it's one of the most impressive careers. Yeah. Um, not just on the field, but off that that I can think of. That's pretty cool. That's yeah. like some stuff that you don't really hear a lot about. Is you always hear about somebody's career, but mm-hmm. like you know them off the field and yeah. after, because like you only have a career for so long, mm-hmm. and then you have the rest of your life, right? Yeah. And it's usually like a, a small fraction. Yeah, like for him, twenty years is probably a quarter of his life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you happen to know if he has siblings? If he's a sister. Sister. Yeah. I mean, but she runs his foundation for him. Really? Yeah. That's cool. That is. That's he still has a good. Story. You know, you know. Last week we had a 
Phil back on, and I got to hear about how he's from Wisconsin and mm-hmm. how they all want Aaron Rodgers gone. Yeah, they really? don't want Aaron Rodgers. None of <laughs> nobody in Green Bay wants Aaron Rodgers. They want him gone, and they were super disappointed when he signed the contract. Yeah, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Once again, these are opinions of people, right? Like yeah. we hear yeah. it, and you know. And I'm sitting here in Arizona, like, can we trade for him? Right. <laughs> I like, want we that. love watching him, <laughs> I, you know what I mean? And it's I, like, I'll take that for a little bit. What drama does it come with? That sounds okay. Yeah. But, you know, then you think about uh, Green Bay fans, Brett Favre, yeah. and then they went right into Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. So they've never go suffered. Be, go before no. Favre. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> they've had guys forever. Yeah. yeah. They've never suffered They've never suffered like we have <laughs> okay, here in right. Arizona with no QB. Like, you know, I was thinking, like, of a, a Derek Jeter is like a Larry Fitzgerald. When you're saying all that stuff, it's like, I don't think I've ever seen Fitz get thrown out of a game. Mm-mm. You never, like, he'll talk to refs, but he won't, like, you never, he's just always, here's the ball to the ref. He's not talk. He's not talking trash to anybody. Mm-hmm. He's just. I've never seen him do anything like that. But you know what? Something that Cody said that I'd like is those guys competed. And I'm sure those things happened, but they just did it in a respectful way. Mm-hmm. And you can do those things. You can disagree. You can but look comp- at how long their careers last. I know. Those guys are they're great examples of right. professionals. And here's another example like of a, a, a professional that isn't necessarily the most athletic or best, but because of his brains, like, and that's Ryan Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. Like I played with them in high school, he had offers to go to Washington, play with the Huskies, and he turned him down because he's like, "I'm not going to go to the NFL. I'm going to go to Harvard." He lit- he literally said that, like, "Wow, why? I'll just go play football at Harvard. I'll have fun, but you know, I'm going to make my money in something else." Mm-hmm. And so he goes to Harvard, had a great career, gets drafted in seventh round, and then he's like, he even says, "Like, I'm going to go get, I'm going to go to training camp. I'll get cut." And then he stuck around a little bit. And then there's this, like, no, thing. He's still around. He's 20 years. He's, like, 18-year career. Yeah. He has the highest Wonderlic score. And then uh, mm-hmm. what's oh. the uh, – Vince, the Texas – Q- Vince Young has the lowest oh, really? Wonderlic score of all time. Mm. And Michael, maybe Michael Vick and Vince Young tied for the lowest. But, yeah, but that's a guy that the talent was good. Not great, but his brains and knowing the game kept him, like, super valuable. Yeah. It's so smart. Making yourself valuable to whatever company you're at. Yeah. You know, like, how important, like, that's why I tell a lot of employees with me, like, hey, like, hey, you're getting paid this much. But what you should be doing is how can I make myself valuable for my company? Yeah. To the point where it's like, this guy's doing all this stuff above and beyond what we originally hired him to do. We have to pay him more. Yeah. Be, put yourself in a position where we have to pay you more and that you do such a great job we don't want to lose you. And I think that goes for anybody, right? Like Totally. Do everything. Like, don't just do the minimum. We're t- we talked about this the other day. Me and you did. Maybe it's somebody else. But it was like, don't do the minimum. Like, so here's the minimum. This is what you mm-hmm. don't just shoot for that. Like, if the minimum is, we're we're talking about social media. If the minimum is, uh, you got to do three posts. Mm-hmm. Well, do eight posts. 
you know, because mm-hmm. the minimum's three. That's the minimum. That's like, hey, had a bad week. We're going to do three. But, hey, let's go above and beyond because I was talking – I was talking about John Dud- with John Dudley, and in his contracts, he has he has to post so many things for mm-hmm. different companies, and there's minimums, mm-hmm. and he he's never at the minimum. It's always double. So like when it comes up in the review, you know if it's with Traeger or whatever, they look at the post like, oh well, our we're we're supposed to have 100 posts. He did 300. Mm-hmm. It's like well, we got a lot for our money right there, right? And that goes with employees. Like why do just the minimum? Go above and beyond. And then when it comes up for your review, you're like, oh, my gosh. Let's pay this man. Let's pay him. Like, and I think that's my favorite thing to do is give. I like to see people make more money. Start yeah, raises the people that deserve it. Yes. Yeah. What I hate is for people that want raises and you're like, wait, what do you do? You look me? at their stuff and you don't. <laughs> and, and then they give you the ultimatum. Well, if you don't give me this, I'm walking. You're like. Um, well, I, we're, we're cool with paying you this dollar amount. Let me know if that works for you. Yeah. I, I died. And they walk. And not always. You'd be surprised. I got this one guy that works for me. He's told me he's walking like four times to the point where he put his two weeks in (laughs) and he was a week into his two weeks. And I kept telling, and like, they're dude, we got to find a replacement. I was like, hold tight, hold tight. He's going to reverse. He's, I'm calling his bluff. (laughs) <laughs> and sure enough, like three days before he actually walked, he's like, okay, guys, I actually didn't have a job. <laughs> <laughs> Can I have my old job and back? He, and he told you that? Yeah, well, I, dude, I knew he didn't have another job. He's like, hey, I got this job doing, you know, like, my friend's opening this business. He's going to pay me some crazy dollar amount. I'm like, hey, bud, that's a lot of money. Yeah. You should take it, dude. If I were you, I'd take it. And as an employer, too, here's something to think about. Like, if an employee comes up to you, I had a really hard time with this when I first started. Is that realizing that other people's dreams aren't the same as yours? And getting offended when someone didn't want to work for me. Mm, that's a good point. And yeah. It's like, I used to get so offended. And so when I remember this kid came up, he's like, hey, this plumbing company wants to pay me 25 an hour, and we're paying him like 16 Dude, I, I like this kid. Like, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> Don't right. leave. I gave you 18. I'm about 18. Does that make a difference? But it's 25. It's like, and my partner at the time was like, dude, I'm proud for you. Plumbing's a great profession. And I'm like, why are you happy for him? Yeah. <laughs> He's leaving us. <laughs> and he taught me something there, being happy for his success, mm-hmm. you know? being happy for the success yeah. that he found outside and not being afraid, you know, and. Uh, that was a hard lesson to learn for me. Yeah. Man, you talk about the labor market, though. It, it's been so different of late. I mean, I don't know if COVID's been the impetus or what, but people moving around. and Did Bernie Sanders, like, invent COVID to drive up, like, a uh, minimum dollar? Who knows? <laughs> Think about the weirdest, like, roundabout. Because <laughs> it's, like, literally... It is driven the, the you can't find anyone no. for under fifteen an hour. Nobody. But I mean, it's just a it's, it's a different marketplace. Yeah, I looked at the minimum wage was here in Arizona is twelve. I'm like, since when? And, but like, you can't find anybody for twelve dollars an hour. You can't yeah. find anybody. It starts at fifteen. That's for a shop boy. Shop boy is fifteen dollars an hour. Or I, you know, I, 
shop boys are so tough to find it too. Like, because if you have a good shop boy, then they move right up to attack. Yeah. Shop boys never stay shop boy because either they don't work out because they're not that great. Yeah. And then they're gone or they're good and then they move into attack spot. Yeah. Show value and keep moving up. Yeah. But I, you know what's cool is having a couple people were, so Robbie, he's worked for me. He's been on the podcast. Mm -hmm. He started work for me and he made $12 an hour. Just uh, almost a shop boy. PDIing trailers, you know. And he's worked all the way up to now he's uh, one of the managers over at our Mesa lot. You know, making a really good salary that can support a family, you know. And it's good to see stories like that. Mm -hmm. Like, that for me is like what gives me drive. Yeah. He's one of those guys, too, that makes the culture over there at Rolly White special. Yeah. I mean, you got a good group of people. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. So let's get into financial planning during these hard times. We've gone all around. Let's now, like, let's hone in. Yeah. So it's volatile. Everything's, like, so what would you say for a guy? Young person, it's, this is the market they're entering right now. Hey, what do they do? What would you suggest? Tired of going different places to get all you want? Looking for a program that offers everything? Are you interested in training, nutrition, baseball, softball, after-school youth programs, hunting, or charity work? One Performance is an all-inclusive program that offers training, advising, instruction, and opportunity for everyone, from the beginner to the professional. With a staff compiled of some of the best in their fields, impressive backgrounds, and an unmatched passion for teaching and giving back, One Performance is the first of its kind in Arizona. With the connections and background we have in the baseball community on a local and national level, from T-ball to the major leagues, One Performance offers teams known as Arizona National BPA, opportunity for instruction, gameplay, and development in every aspect of the game, both physically and mentally. The staff at One Performance Training are some of the finest in their respective fields. They strive to educate, motivate, and assist every athlete in maximizing their abilities. Whether you're looking for an opportunity for a young athlete or a seasoned professional to surround themselves with like-minded coaches, mentors, and athletes, One Performance is the family you're looking for. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Ready for an escape? Ready for an adventure? Do you want to camp, hunt, hit the dunes, or just relax on the beach? Rolly White RV is the number one toy hauler dealer in Arizona for the past five years running. With a no-pressure culture and no dealer fees, they guarantee you a great price and a great experience as you purchase your very own toy hauler or travel trailer. Rolly White is family-owned and operated and has now expanded to five locations, including Mesa, West Phoenix, North Phoenix, Flagstaff, and Idaho Falls, Idaho. Whether you're looking for a toy hauler or travel trailer, fifth wheel, or bumper pole, Rolly White can get you what you're looking for. They carry all the big names, including Genesis Supreme, Vortex, Attitude, Wolfpack, Raptor, Forest River, and the newly released Wanderer by Genesis. We all want to beat the heat or just escape the craziness and get outdoors. Let Rolly White help you get there by visiting any of our locations or checking us out on Facebook, Instagram, and online at RollyWhite.com. Well, first of all, getting in. 
got to get and foremost. You got to get in. Yeah. Getting in. And I feel like the last six months. What about really all those people are people. saying like, hey, man, we're about to hit a recession. There's a recession on the loom, on the horizon. You know, there's a bunch of people saying that. And there's a lot of people saying the opposite, which is we're about to just keep growing. There'll always be people saying that. Yeah, that's true. It's always going to be like that. You know, it's funny. I, I got in the market for everybody. I got in when the market was at 17,000. The Dow was at 17,000. I remember my partner telling me, well, I'm going to wait for the the Dow to drop, and then I'll get in. And so it so now it's at 35,000. He's still waiting yeah. <laughs> for the market Bro, to drop. <laughs> there was... Uh, there was just one thing I was going to share. This is a quote from Warren Buffett. Let me just see if I can grab it real quick because there's always going to be people talking about that. No one can time the market. Mm-hmm. But there was a – I feel like these last six months have really been a good test for for all of us as investors, regardless of what stage you're in. But let me just read this real quick from Warren Buffett. He said, the only value of stock forecasters is to make fortune tellers look good. The short-term direction of stock prices is close to random, but why? It all comes down to human psychology and the relationship between markets and volatility. Time in the market beats market timing every time. Ah, so you're saying seasoned money in the market has got more value than trying to time the market. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like these last six months have been a good test for people. Because we're coming off good years, 2020, 2021, people have made a lot of money. So as we came into 2022, if you think about November, December, the end of last year, COVID was ramping up, Mm -hmm. the markets pulled back, and then we got into 2022, and now we're dealing with inflation. We're all seeing and feeling that, but now we have the government at least acknowledging it more. They said 7% over last year. That's big. Those are big numbers. Biggest in, in like 40 years. Yeah. But then also with what's taking place in Ukraine and the geopolitical issues, none of us know what's going to happen there. But those are causing uncertainty, so it makes the markets jittery, volatile, like yeah. you said, yeah. choppy waters. Um, here just a month or so ago, we, we held a, a webinar with clients, and we talking about risk mitigation strategies. And we talked about those two things. The first, with inflation, you got to remember the other side of the coin is appreciation. And so as I looked at the markets and rise in interest rates, I looked at the last four times that this has something similar has occurred. In all three instances, the markets were down after six months. Or excuse me, you know, the markets were down in all four instances after six months. Yeah. What I meant to say is then in 12 months, in three of those instances, the markets were back up. And after 18 months, the markets were up in all four instances. What I'm getting at is the other side of the coin with inflation is appreciation. So being invested in real estate, the markets, whatever it may be, you got a better opportunity to win. Sitting in cash, there's there's a, there's risk and there's loss of purchase power with that. So for the long-term investor, I feel like when the markets are choppy, that's that's part of your opportunity. Buying power. Yep. And then with what's taking place overseas, that's I don't know. Can't control. Yeah, can't yeah, you, control, but I can tell you I watched what happened with North Korea. I've seen what has happened in in with overseas and yeah. Iraq and diff other times. The markets have been more resilient than you might expect. I so what I'm getting at yeah. 
is the long-term investor. When we have these pullbacks, that's that's your opportunity. You know, and um, I remember, like, I don't, so I, I'm in the market, and I have some money with Blaine, I have some money with an, another inv- a financial advisor, and I'm loyal to both. And um, I don't call either one. And Well, I used to call Blaine. I don't really care what the, I do care what the market's doing, but I know Blaine has nothing to do with it. I just I just want to talk to him about the market, but I realize like, oh man, he probably thinks I'm talk, calling to complain, and I'm really not. I just want to talk about the market. Yeah, what's and, happening? Uh, just like, man, this is crazy, you know. And but um, my other financial advisor, he called me. And he's like, hey man, you're a great investor, and I'm like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> what makes me a great investor? You don't call and complain. Well, and, and, and you probably see a lot of these things as opportunities. That's what I've noticed about you. Well, I see an opportunity. I'm like, dude, can I find some money to yeah. dump in? When the, when the market's pulled back, and we've already started to see some recovery. I mean, they were the NASDAQ, the Dow were down 12 15% since January 1st. And we've started to see some of that come back. Yeah. But I know for me, I was going and looking at where I could pull some money to invest yeah. during those times. Looking and at it tough. as a discount, things were on sale, and it's tough because the market's down. You probably got yeah, and your, nobody knows your portfolio's down. Yeah, portfolio's a little down, and you're like, "Hey, we're down. We're doubling down. We're throwing more into it." Yeah, and that's a tough pill to swallow, you know, because it's hard. The other people it's like the human psychology. People, yeah, like when you're down, you want to pull out, not dump in, right? The, the the most often used term is to buy low, sell high, but most people, ninety plus percent, do the opposite. Yes. They buy high and they sell low. So I was talking to panic. a friend. Yeah. They I panic. They, the emotion. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I talk to investors and tell them one of the things that you'll find the most value in working with someone else, a professional, is to have a non-emotional opinion. Yes. And to take the, the bias out of it. And that's what you're looking for in a professional. Mm-hmm. And so as I, you were there when I was doing – Brock, you were there when I was doing yes. the conference call. I was on the car. I didn't yeah. know. I mean, I still, nobody knows. But to tell investors, hey, we're going against your emotion by staying invested or looking for opportunities to yeah. invest. But that's what, that's a principle of, of investing. Is to, you want to do opposite the markets. That's something else Warren Buffett would say. Well, here's something. When people are selling, you're buying. When people are buying, you're selling. Here's a here's a market strategy that I learned from Blaine. I learned from my other buddy, is that when you have a stock, and that stock dumps in price, so say it, it's at thirty dollars a share, and it dumps down to fifteen dollars a share. You can look at it two ways. You can look at it. I just lost lost half my money, or you can look at it as an opportunity. Because if you believe in that company, if you believe, hey, this company is going to pull out of it. And there's a lot of instances like uh, like right now PayPal's really down and Boeing's down. Good companies. It's like, what, why are they down? A couple of bad news cycles, right? Emotional. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and on one of these, so what we do sometimes in those cases is like, okay, you're, you're in at 30. It dumps down to 15. We buy another round at 15. And then what that does is split your stock price. So you went from owning at $30 a share, now you're at, what, $22 a share. So now, if it goes at $23, we are making money, yeah. right? So that's, he, I learned that from both you guys. It's been very helpful. There's been, a, 
there was a time where I used that in Apple. There's a couple different stocks that I've used that on. It's come out very well for me. Yeah. Well, and if it's in a more volatile time or if it's a higher risk stock, a lot of times the strategy will be to invest 70% or 80% and then give it just a little bit of time and go in with the next portion in case it does dip. And that way you take the average. Like an IPO. An IPO would be a considered what, a, a Can risky. you explain what an IPO is to, for everybody? What is an IPO? Is it a beer? Because aren't there beers that are called IPOs? Is that an IPA? IPA, I think. So it's not a beer, guys. It's not an IPA. It's an IPO. What is it? What does <coughs> the, it stand the, for? The most, an initial public offering. So what is that? The most simple way for me to explain that would be a private company that's now going public. So if Rolly White, for example, Rolly White RV, you're a private company. You don't share your, your numbers, your data with others. Your financials. Your financials. Yeah. That's right. And it's just just you and Brad that own the company. Yeah. If you were to go and sell a portion of your company to the public in the form of shares or stock and list publicly on an exchange, then now you're selling 40, 50, 60, 100% of your company to public investors. And it's now going to trade publicly on the New York Stock Exchange. And yeah. you got to share your numbers and be open and transparent with the public about what's happening with your company so that they can make educated decisions on the valuation of the on the valuation and yeah. whether or not they're going to buy and a share price will go up and down based on the demand if your company's of interest and people want to buy and yeah. of course your financials if you're making money so like um like um so because a lot of people say, like, I don't own anything. Like, I own a, sh like, these shares scare me because, like, I don't have anything, like, tangible. Like, I, and I try to explain to them that, no, like, you invest into Apple or you invest into Amazon or Target. Like, you own part of that company, yeah. right? Like, you're that's an equity. actual owner. Equity. I'm, that's why they refer to it as equities. Yeah, you don't have voting rights and you don't have say in what's Not happening. Not necessarily. I just got an email today. That's true. That you can't I have. To, they're like, you haven't voted yet. And I go to the thing. I'm like, oh, should I vote? I go over here. That's like, true. I don't know what's, what's up. What am I voting? Yeah, I'm not going to vote because I don't know what's going on. Well, in us, as an investment firm, we're an independent investment firm. And so equities in the stock market make up a good portion of what we do. Yeah. I can tell you, especially in 2021, 2020, 2021, especially as people want to be more liquid, more nimble. We've done a lot higher allocation into the stock market. But we also invest in real estate and we do other investments. I'm a big advocate of balance. I think that's part of how you weather these storms is having a variety of different investments. But equities uh, are a big piece of that. And there's good data to support equities as an asset class and investing in general investments and, and companies. And I'll, I'll tell you just a quick story. For me, one of the best business decisions I ever made was when I was 20 years old. I had researched a bunch of different stocks, but I walked into an investment office in Dallas, Texas, and invested $2,000. And I remember I spent time researching how I was going to invest that money. And ultimately, I just landed on a very what vanilla you, company. What did you invest in? Microsoft. Oh, that's vanilla. But I'll tell you, vanilla, because to me, that was the easy option at the time. I remember researching they were a bunch. Solid. Of, they, well, were they were solid. solid and they were big. And as an early investor, I remember thinking, oh, I got to find that silver bullet. I got to find that red herring, that 
That one that no one's going to know about. Diamond in the rough. That diamond in the rough. And there's a time and a place for that. But it's after I think you've created a good foundation. And a lot of times those companies. Do you still own that equity stake? Yeah. I don't know what the value is. Well, because I've invested. Did you ever sell it? No. And it was in. The reason it was $2,000. This was in the year uh, 2000. But that was the max that you could contribute to a Roth IRA. Oh, so you, you have a Roth. So for also. me, it was a big deal to go in and do, at 20 years old, invest $2,000. But when I tell this story, my story isn't that, oh, that 2000 became $2 million. I don't have that to, t- to tell you. But what I can tell you is that it got me down a path and starting down a way of thinking that has blessed my life and been more financially beneficial than even that investment of just thinking ahead planning, researching, saving money. And those principles are what has allowed me to not only start and and manage an investment firm, a regional investment firm, but also do a variety of other entrepreneurial investments, such as the RVs and the cars and things that I like that are really more, but they're all just a side benefit of those early financial principles that, that I applied so I think that um, you made a good point, and that's like making it part of your life um, for the future, right? Investing, like we have to realize that, hey, um, I'm not going to be able to do this forever. I don't want to personally. Like I want to retire, and I want to not work, and I want to just go do whatever I want that day. And maybe, probably it'd be whatever my wife wanted that day, but like, <laughs> yeah. um, you know. She would want you to probably go do something on your own. Yeah, she's like, just <laughs> go away, leave me alone. I'm busy, I'll see you later. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> I and I saw my grandma invest, and that's how I got into it, is because as a little kid, I'd go to my grandma's house, she lived next door to us, and I'd go over there, and she'd be watching the the stocks run by, the stock signs, the ticker signs run by, yeah. and she would just, she had a notebook and she could keep track you know every day she'd do it and i i saw her make a lot of money being this like steady investor she didn't make a lot of money as in like she didn't have a revenue stream that was a lot she had a pension from my grandfather dying in the air force Mm. and um but she put that to work you know yeah, in the stock market, and she when she passed away, she passed away with a couple million dollars, and to me that was like a like I want to get invested as soon as I can. Yeah, get in the market as soon as I can. So you know when I when I didn't make as much, I was still trying to put two three hundred dollars away a month, you know, That's into something. Well, it, just the, something to get going. If you can be setting aside ten percent of what you're earning, you're doing a good job. So how would you, how would you tell somebody say like what would for a budget? You have a like an outline of a budget like hey, I had one given to me, but I don't know if it really fits. You know, yeah, it's an eighty ten ten. Live in your eighty percent, have ten percent going to savings and ten percent you give yeah charitable donations. I, I agree with that. I've read a number of books about financial principles and financial practices, and I think that 80-10-10 is as good as it gets. And there is something to be said about being generous and doing things with your money to 
to help others. And, and that's the people that aren't even related to church things. There's that's a what lot I mean. of people like I, that. It's just purely financial. But just yeah. saying, I, I don't know, call it what you want. Karma. But Whatever. it does come back around. And that law of abundance and just having an attitude of abundance. I believe that that's a big part of growing wealth and attracting into your life good things and, and things that grow and appreciate. So I, I would say the 80-10-10 is good because, and then setting aside 10% for your long-term future goals. Yeah. I, when I've talked to clients, it's usually 10 to 20%. 20% is usually going to be for clients that are older and they don't have kids at home. Yeah. If you can do better than that, great. But those are some, some good goals to work towards as far as the, the percentage. And you know what? One thing that came to mind as you were talking about just investing uh, here in the last year or so, we've started, our family of companies has started working with my alma mater and even doing some NIL deals with some of the college athletes. And the big, it's a hashtag that we use, but the thing that we promote is it's hashtag let's invest. And I like that because, sure, that might mean investing with us at Bander Investments, but really it's much more than that. It's let's invest in ourselves. Let's invest in others. Let's invest in the community and the people around us. The idea of just investing and whatever it may be, I think is powerful. Mm -hmm. If we all just invest, so I think we'll be better off. Let's talk about some of the kids that you help out. Then, uh, So he helps out. Can we say the BYU? Sure. That's where I went to school. So he it's helps out. Can we, can we say BYU? Yeah, but I know, I know this. <laughs> can we say BYU? Can, yeah. we see, can we say that here? Yeah. So, um. <laughs> but you, he's got some athletes that are he he um, helps out that are part of the you know the new thing that you can mm-hmm. and it's really cool some of these stories from some of these athletes I yeah. think should be told blow like, me away so the one guy that we just talked to on the phone yeah on the way here tell the story it's pretty cool he's out of the L A area uh, going to school up in at BYU in Utah but was homeless for a period of time. Um, I don't know the whole situation at home, but in talking to him and also even seeing some documentaries about him, he's been a, he's an older brother. He's looking out for his siblings, but he's spent a period of his life homeless. And he's a, a junior college transfer. He's really he's working hard to be where he's at, and he's still he's still in that, just like we all are. But one thing I've noticed about a lot of these guys, and I first got got started in the university before NIL but I was working more with the charity and the head coaches, mm-hmm. more to life foundation. Um, but now since NIL has come about, I've gotten to know a lot more of the players and their situations personally. And I've just been, I don't know if blown away, but certainly surprised that, uh, um, well, you find out like, they, man, these guys don't get as much money as we think they, they do. don't, like, they don't get as legit. much, but you know what? I mean, they've overcome a lot to be where they're at and they're still, um, and they have a platform too. The thing that, first got me interested was I saw the impact that they could have and had on my son who Mm -hmm. at the time was nine or ten but were able to reach the next generation in a way that I can't or couldn't and um, I just it made me think you know what I like getting behind these guys that are using their platform for good that could use the help right now Mm -hmm. and so we help with cars I mean that's how we become that's how we get introduced to them is they usually have a need for a car Mm -hmm. and then but one simple thing that I've learned is a lot of them, especially at that stage in life, I think we all went through it. You don't have much credit, so you can't get financing. Yeah. And so most people say no. So we as a firm and us will back them 
and help them get financing and get a car. And then now that NIL has started, we've started to say, hey, um, engage in our Let's Invest campaign. And let's uh, they're going to help us as we sell Savage e-bikes yeah you know we went and did a photo shoot with them and they're going to help sell those and we'll give so them a spiff or yeah they can make some money on it if they get a promo code and yeah then and and really i mean we're, we'll be targeting the college markets yeah. you know with gas prices where they are mm-hmm. and we'll sell these e-bikes but uh anyways we're trying to, it's evolved because my involvement with the university before nil was much different than it is now and i started doing things now not really knowing where it could lead to and i still don't but now we've got 12 or so guys that we work with. That most of them are from outside the state of Utah. And cars has been the means, but it's been kind of fun. We'll see what happens, where well, it goes. I think in cool. life you have to have, yeah. like, something that you feel, like, helps the community out. Yeah. In some way, like, whatever you're doing, you know, if it's training the kids or, you know, like, for me, I had to have something. And it was like, well, how do you feel that way in RVs? And for me, it was like, well, I get to help families go be families. Make right? memories. Make memories. And for me, that was my drive. But there's also that part of giving back yeah. to the community that I think is awesome. And, you know, to be honest, like, hearing your stories makes me want to reach out, yeah. help out. Well, I mean, it, I've and the thing is, it's been a – it's done a lot for me and my family, too. It and, goes both ways. And That's it's just the way Like, it you hear how much – you you can invest fifty dollars, hundred dollars, like and yeah. it goes such a long ways for these kids. Well, even with these guys, part of what we do too is they'll get a spiff or earn something, but then we even put a portion into an investment account for them, try to help them learn and understand the power of getting started early. And a lot of that goes back to my experience when I was twenty, and just I know the power of starting to see that money work, of what it can do. And then the reason why with BYU in particular, for me, I feel like they gave me an opportunity to go to school when I yeah, didn't have Yeah, let's be that. honest. Like, not a lot of places probably would let you in. No. I'd been <laughs> kicked out of school as a senior in high school. I mean, I was going to the uh, to the uh, alternative school as a senior year. And so but you gotta never took the ACT, never took the SAT. And I never took that either. Did you? Did you? I Cody? Took S- I took SAT, yeah. How did, did you do pretty good? I don't know. Yeah, no. We got in GCU. I, I, I scored uh, like I don't know, fourteen something. Did you ever start on the bad. SAT? Yeah. I heard people like the last like five bad. pages. They just start guessing. <laughs> just like oh, I took it. I don't know. <laughs> I know everybody that I was in school with like went and studied and did these yeah. courses and took practice yeah. tests. I'm like, nah, I'll yeah. take it one time. I never took it. I was like, well, well I, think, I looked at like I think my it was like fourteen ten or something like. I don't. That I don't seems know if like pretty decent 14 somebody's gonna call it seems high. you're an idiot <laughs> i don't know but you know we place such emphasis on those <coughs> things but are they truly indicators of success well uh, they well i mean <laughs> for that matter is college a lot of times now yeah, you know uh-huh. what i mean like and i i love college for what it is and i think there's certain there's areas paths for people are, yeah there's there definitely are and i think you know there's certain college yeah. degrees that are well worth it, and there's others that I don't That's really know if they like are. Like so I make true. I I, had, I made fun of my sister's degree, and she got really mad at me. She <laughs> didn't appreciate me making fun. Well, of the, her. the thing that I don't love about it, and I've I've actually my daughter's a senior, so she's getting ready to go, right? And I'm I'm like, okay, so you need a path, don't just go. Yeah. Right. Like uh, I don't. You want to end. I'm goal. not requiring you to go to college just because 
I want you to go to college. Like, I want you to go for a reason. Like, you want a career out of it. Right. She's likely going to play volleyball, like, wherever well, she ends up. Well, that's a good path. So that's a good path. If you're using it to do that, and like, cool. Yeah. Right? Like, awesome. Good for you. It, but if not, like, yeah. you, like yeah. you're not you, super excited to dump, like, 300 grand into a degree. It depends on what it's for. Like, uh, like are we uh, going to go into debt or or have debt at the end of the I mean, she's got a fund, so probably not, but... You know what I mean? Like, so are we gonna come? Are you gonna come out of college and not her? Like in general? Yeah. Are you gonna come out of college owing money? Two hundred thousand dollars for a teacher's like, is it, degree. Is it gonna cost you, you know, twenty years to pay this off? Yeah. Right. Is that gonna be worth it? Like, it really is it. So, if any of the school districts, school districts in general, are listening to this, you guys should all be ashamed of yourselves. Because my wife got us a degree, and this is for everyone. Like. She goes and takes all these classes to be a substitute health aide and teacher. Mm-hmm. And they pay her $80 a day. That equals about like $9 an hour. She's like a minor league coach. I'm like, dude, <laughs> come on, man. We go get degrees for this. Right. Like, I pay $15 an hour starting yeah. to pick up trash. And that doesn't, like, and this is what our teaching our kids, like, that. You know, it just means that we're not, and this goes into finance, like we're not budgeting correctly. Yeah. Because if private companies can do it way better, then that just means the government's doing it wrong. Mm. There is a, like uh, the Maricopa Community Colleges, they have a presidential scholarship or award, right? I've heard of that. So if you have, I think it's a 3.5 or above, you get get 15 credit hours. That's cool. That's cool. Wow. Coming out of high school, like so, and you keep that three five the whole time. Your school's free for the first two years. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So like, you should probably try to <laughs> get three five and get an associate. Well, th- uh, let's be a three five in high school. If we're being honest, isn't like you got just got to put yeah. in some effort. Yeah. Like that's really it. A tiny bit of especially effort. now because they'll let you redo everything. Yeah, you get to retake the test. Hey, and you all know that. what? I, is there any way I can get this? Yeah, come in and retake it. Yeah. Okay. Really. Cool. And that's one of the things that I hope we don't lose in education is teaching kids that they to do hard things. Yeah, you know, and and sometimes. But I think and, we are. I know that's what. I just listened to this book that, gosh, I'd recommend. It was it's it's by Napoleon Hill, and you guys may remember him from he wrote the book How to Think and Grow Rich. Mm-hmm. He's really known for that, but it's another book that he wrote, and it's called um, How to or Outwitting the Devil. And one thing that he talks about in there is that. Schools are doing a disservice by not promoting free think and, and teaching kids to think independently for themselves and, and really overcome some of these challenges. Like so pushing like, agendas and not letting them just think? Well, they, he, the way he talks about it is having somebody at the front of the room that knows everything. Yeah. And not letting kids under, really develop their minds. And like so, talking but, at them versus like interaction? Yeah, or? F- figuring, solving problems. Right figuring things out and, and thinking independently. Mm-hmm. And, and so just hearing you say that though, about, you know, letting them redo tests. I've, I've noticed that some too. And it's I thought, I hope that's not, me. that's not necessarily a good sign in my no, eyes. But it's here like yeah. rampant. Like yeah. all you have to do is, uh, you know what? Just, uh, you didn't do your homework. It's okay. Turn in later. Yeah. 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 You didn't, you didn't, you got a so 50% I, I on had a, I had uh, a, you can retake it. I had a, yeah. teacher. I had a teacher. I had a teacher in, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, isn't 
Mesa Community College mm-hmm. and is world religions and you could miss he he allowed two absences, right? Mm-hmm. But he if you did two in a row, you dropped your grade automatically. You went from this to this and like I had a hunt. Right? An elk hunt that I got drawn for and it's been years since I got drawn for. And I missed one and I'm like I'm going to miss the, I'm going to go kill an elk. Hmm. And I did it. And I had my friend, he tried to even sign me in, but that didn't work because he knew he was on a hunt. So, and I do, I worked it over. I worked it. I'm like, come on, man. I got a 98% mm-hmm. in this class. And he held my feet to the fire. He gave me, he, he dropped yeah. the 10%, gave me an 88. Hmm. You know, but like, was it worth it? Yeah, I killed an elk. It's totally worth it. <laughs> <laughs> like, do I care? I got to be in world religions? Nope. Nope. But I appreciate the strictness. Yeah. Being strict, right? Yeah. Well, and you made a decision. You lived with the outcome. I made but it. That's I, all right. I try to work around it. I try to push through the obstacles. It just yeah. didn't work. But, hey, Blaine, thanks for coming on again. It's yeah. fun. It is. Sorry, my it's dog just pleasure. came in. And Coco came Coco in. Coco came in and uh, decided to invade. So this is what my son said to me um, yesterday after we left at, uh, training here. Mm-hmm. He's like, Dad, you know. Which one? Wesley. Wes? Wes like, Dad, you know it would be really cool? I think I want like a chocolate lab. <laughs> you know, I could like go fetch and pee. No, this is what he said first. He's like, I want a dog that like could exercise with us and run around. <laughs> like a Labrador would be cool. And if it was chocolate, that would be really cool. I'm like, I wonder like, where he got that idea. I know. I'm like looking at. They're not yeah. all this calm. I'm like, hey, like Coco. He's like, yeah, just like Coco. I was like, good luck with your mom, buddy. Yeah. He's like, she, she's been this calm since she was a puppy. So how like do you labs till they're two are usually kind of they're wild. crazy. They yeah. chew up a lot. This she never chewed anything. She did never, you put him on? Like how do you choose your dog? How do you know it's gonna be like? Did you know Santa it? brought him? Oh yeah, he's Santa. No, um, there was a, uh, there was actually a breeder over in Mesa and they had a litter and we went in and we went went twice. The first day I, first day I went, she, uh, like she was the one that walked over to us and then we went back and my dad's, uh, girlfriend like breeds border collies and dogs and stuff and this same dog walked over again. Really? And she picked her up. And like, she's like, yeah, it looks healthy and whatever. So she's been good, man. She's shoot, going on 10 now. So she's she's been a good one. But she doesn't like guns. Mm. So it's not really great for a lab. Oh. She is great with birds and rabbits. Just can't shoot a shotgun? She will go kill them herself. But if <laughs> I try and shoot them... <laughs> That's cool, man. If I shoot it with a bow, she's good. She'll go get it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Coco's a pretty cool dog. Had a duck experience with a bow that she got. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but she'll, like, she'll catch birds, like, in the, in the batting cages and stuff. She'll go in and catch them. And yeah, get rid of those stupid things, man. The rabbits to hang out. She'll bring them, sit by the door, she wait for me to come outside. Uh, go eat it. Thanks. You killed it. <laughs> Thanks, bud. Hey, brought this for you, owner. Yeah. Well, you guys are awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Well, thanks Good for coming, man. Cody. Good advice there on the uh, the market. I know. I know. I got to do more. <laughs> oh, we all need one to do of more. many things huh? no, for us well, all. That's uh, definitely something I need to make a priority. But 
Well, if it's you great ever, hearing from you. Yeah. If you ever need Thank to get you. a hold of Blaine, you can check him out on Bander. Yeah, Bander Investments. Bander Investments. And um, if someone wanted to help out with your stuff and Provo, is there something they can go to? Check yeah. it out. Yeah, I mean. Where, where do you go for that? Uh, reach out to me directly. So just hit him up with a DM. Yeah. Or Facebook. Yeah, and actually, I mean, even on Instagram, it's just let's invest underscore bander. Check it out. Yeah. That's it, pretty fun. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing. Let's invest. So invest, and you don't have to invest with him. Yeah. Find something just, local. Whatever it is. Be outside the box. That's really the thing. Yep. So, all right, guys. Thanks, Cody. Having us Thanks, over Brock. here. Thanks, Blaine. Thanks, Blaine. Yep. Good seeing you, man. Thanks. Right. Same to you. See you guys Take later. Care, Appreciate right. you listening. See you.